in the name of a triune God of love. Amen. Intrigued by that heavy reading from Ecclesiastes, I went looking for the direct Hebrew translation, really wanting to see what vanity meant. But I discovered while I was there that the word in that first verse that's used for teacher or preacher is actually a Hebrew word that means a feminine assembler. And so today, with these very heavy readings hanging in the air, I will do my best to assemble things. Four writers were sitting in a coffee shop discussing their published works. It doesn't really matter that coffee wasn't discovered until after they had all died, because for the most part, none of them were really alive at the same time. We'll be relying on a wrinkle in time anyway. May as well add coffee. They all drank straight-up black drip coffee. None of them were very keen on the luxuries of cream, sugar, espresso machines, let alone foam or cinnamon. The philosopher at the table, who may have been an ancestor of William Shakespeare and Eeyore, began the conversation with words that we need because it's what our souls are saying on the day after yet another two shootings on our country's soil. He began by saying, Oh, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. I have been studying the human condition my whole life, and all I see is futile efforts and depressing headlines. We try so hard, and yet we are in pain, and our work is in vain. And we can't even sleep well at night. I'm not even sure what I'm working so hard for. I mean, I'm going to die, and all that I have gained will be wasted. And this also is vanity. And with that, he downed his coffee and looked forlornly into his empty cup. A poet was sitting next to him, listening thoughtfully. The poet patted the philosopher compassionately on the shoulder and said, Cheer up, friend. I will give you some wisdom. Let all who have ears to hear hear me, be they rich or poor, for I will speak from my heart and I will set my words to music. This poet was sad to have been born too early to collaborate with the great John Williams, for a strong orchestral composition would have aided the poet's message greatly. You see, said the poet, it is only futile for those who put their trust in wealth and other unreliable things. We know we will all die like the beasts of the earth, but that is only scary for those whose priorities are based on material things, transient things, wealth, and shallow endeavors. So I say, cheer up, friend, for we know that there is more to life than wealth. The poet smiled contentedly into a cup of lukewarm coffee, and he answered his phone. The third writer at the table was a physician by the name of Luke. 
Luke likes to retell other people's stories, particularly parables told by his favorite rabbi. Sure, we know that there is more than material wealth, said Luke as he sat back down after visiting the counter for a refill on his dark roast. But not everyone does. My rabbi once told a story about a man who had such a huge harvest that he decided to knock down all of his barns and build bigger barns rather than sharing what he had. He was a quirky guy, this rich man. Talked to himself a lot. On the night that he had decided to build bigger barns and was assuring himself of how good this decision was, God showed up and said, You fool! You are going to die this very night with all this unshared excess wealth. And then what? Luke paused to gather his thoughts. My rabbi told this story after a man had come to him asking for help in getting his share of an inheritance. I think my rabbi got pretty impatient with people when they fought over money or got preoccupied with wealth or when they hurt and neglected others to protect their own assets. I think he had a point. Life only seems futile when we get all wonky with our priorities and focus more on what money can do for us than on what the resources entrusted to us can do for the greater good. That big harvest could have fed the village all winter, but it never even occurred to that wealthy man to share it. The last writer a tired-looking old man who called himself the Apostle, sighed deeply. The others looked at him. Yes, Paul, said Luke, is there something you'd like to add to this conversation? Paul sighed deeply again. If you have been raised with Christ, he began, then seek the things that are from above. You are all so preoccupied with the things around you and the behaviors of the people around you. Enough talk of wealth and greed. These problems will fix themselves if we all just prioritize love. Which means avoiding greed, gossip, impurity. The philosopher interrupted the apostle. This is where you're going to start preaching about fornication, right? Always with the fornication. Futile. It's all futile. But Paul was not to be derailed. Do you know what fornication is? He asked. The other three blushed a little and looked into their coffee cups. Paul continued. Fornication is the wrongful use of the flesh. It is wrongfully hurting your own flesh or wrongfully hurting the flesh of others. It is expecting someone half a world away to work for pennies to make your sneakers. And it is the separation of children from parents so that you can maintain your ownership over a land that was never yours to begin with. It is war. It is abuse. It is the overuse of resources at the expense of others. It is the wrongful use of the flesh of the earth. It comes to fruition any time any part of God's creation is denied dignity so that their flesh can be of service to our greed. That is fornication. But Paul, said the poet, you said we should set our minds on heavenly things and not on material things. Isn't flesh material? No, dear poet. Flesh is not entirely material for God came to inhabit flesh 
And so flesh is holy, always will be. The material things I speak of are the things that are not of God's breath, the things humans fight over, the things that distract our minds from the places where God's breath lives, the things that make us justify our own mixed up priorities. They all nodded thoughtfully at this and went back to quietly sipping their coffee except the philosopher who seemed to enjoy looking into his empty cup. I had been sitting at the next table eavesdropping for long enough at this point, so I got up and spun my chair around, landing between Paul and the poet. They all looked at my large cafe Americano, and I think they knew that it was not just brewed coffee. But I pushed the shame aside and got brave. Hi, I said. They all just stared, so I cut to the chase. I have to talk to my congregation this Sunday about the things you four wrote down before you died. They nodded, unfazed by mention of their deaths, so I continued. You all have a lot of opinions about the material world and wealth and the setting of priorities. And, well, compared to the rest of the world, we in my community have a good deal of wealth and voice and power and material stuff. Many of us have big homes and big cars, and we store up our wealth for retirement and for our children when we can. We can sometimes feel very protective of what we have, and we can sometimes get a little preoccupied with it. But, you see, the people in my community also have their own individual struggles, and they are lovely and generous. And I think we're all basically doing the best we can, even if we sometimes need an extra nudge. So my question to you for is this. What do you think we most need to talk about this Sunday? There was a long, thoughtful pause. And then, tell them to look up from their coffee cups and look into each other's eyes, said the philosopher, the writer of Ecclesiastes. Otherwise, it's all in vain. Tell them to be like heavenly beings now, since they always will be heavenly beings, with or without these bodies, said the poet, the psalmist. Tell them not to store up so much of their wealth on earth, said Luke. Tell them to share even more. Tell them that their generosity will swell their hearts and expand their souls and seed the kingdom of God. Paul smiled, and then he said, when they have stripped off that bit of self-interest that does grow on each and every one of us every day, then they will be like new people. In other words, said a new voice from the corner of the room, which made us all jump. In other words, tell them to make use of all that they have and all that they are to love one another as I love them. And this sneaky rabbi, who we had not previously seen, got up, picked up his caramel macchiato. The barista later told us that he had only ordered a water. He picked up his macchiato and walked out into the street to be with the people. 
And then we all silently finished our coffees, thinking about what he had said. Tell them to make use of all that they are and all that they have, to love one another as I love them. We looked up at one another, and we said, Amen. Amen.